0: Today, where I, I'm, I'm gonna the, the best way the best way to say it is this. In 1989, I left the last church that I served as subordinate staff. I'd traveled some starting in 1985, but in 1989 uh, was the last time that I served under a, another pastor on his staff. And, uh, you know, I thought I was going to be there forever because I was ha- happy, glad. My wife and I was the best place we'd ever been, and, and uh, we'd only served in two places. But uh, we love the man of God and, and his vision. And, and it, the Lord interrupted us and said, I'm calling you to the nations. And so uh, I was sitting in northern Ontario. Canada, in a travel trailer. That travel trailer was my lodging for the week. I was doing a family camp between services on on the weekend at a church in Toronto, and uh, the most international church I'd ever ever been in. And at that time, I'd probably been in maybe two hundred churches. Now that's twenty five hundred churches, but so that was just a few years ago. But eighty nine you know, I have socks older than 1989. It's it's pretty amazing how it just goes by so fast. But I was sitting there, I was doing a family camp all during this week. I was sitting there in in this travel trailer. Uh, this church had just bought this property that was an old uh, facility, lodging, et cetera, et cetera. And they're, they were rehabilitating the property and they they did it for the purpose of having family camps so on a beautiful piece of property on a, on a lake in northern Ontario. Now, if you've never been to northern Canada or Canada period, you, you, you don't really know what mosquitoes are <laughs> until you've been there. The only place that tops it is Alaska, and they're the size of 747s. They yes. You can hear them zooming around, and you'll breathe them in. There's so many of them, you'll, you'll inhale them if you don't have a net outside, and so I, I was not prepared for that, and so, uh, you know, th- they don't use off up there. They use they use DEET. I mean, it, they use what's outlawed here in the states. I mean, off, the th- bu- those bugs just laugh. <laughs> they they lick it off of you, but th- you have to have some real serious stuff to kill those and kill kill them off. I didn't have any of that. I was not prepared for that. Didn't have a net, so I, I wanted to go out and walk and just look and walk around the lake and, you know, skip rocks and, you know, look at the fish and those, but, but I, I, really, I could have had a diet that week. I would have had a lot less blood. These are vampire mosquitoes. These are bloodsuckers. Uh, so I was stuck in this travel trailer on my time off. Now, I'm talking about an old 50s model travel trailer, two wheels, combination living room, bedroom, bathroom. Not one of these RVs that you have today, these you know, million-dollar RVs. I mean, this was a $50 RV. I mean, this is <laughs> at one 300-watt light bulb hanging down in the middle of the room, and you could only turn on one light at a time. And the shower was also in the restroom. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 was, it was low budge. But anyway, I, needless to say, I had a lot of time to pray and hear from God. So I had three yellow legal pads. And I still have those, except they're no longer empty. The Lord filled up three legal pads, front and back pages, During that time, all because I asked him one question. Mm. One question What's going to happen in the 90s and beyond? That was 1989, the fall of 89, actually, the August of 89. And I, I don't have time to talk about all of the things he told me, but this is the very significant thing that he said. He said Hollywood will begin to use the supernatural to draw people. Now that's old hat today, but in 1989, that was unusual. You cannot see things on television movies today without being bombarded with the supernatural. And here's the problem. It's counterfeit. And the Lord began to show me. Now you're 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 looking at somebody, who when our children were very young, we went to the movie E.T. when it first came out, Mm -hmm. and we walked out in the first five minutes. Uh Yeah, that's true. Because of something that that boy said in the kitchen. Words that I'd never, never. Wanted to hear my children hear, Mm -hmm. That's right. And we walked out. So I know what Hollywood can do. I wasn't raised in a church. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised on the street. I was raised, I know what the street life is like. I know what poverty is like. My dad is a professional rodeo cowboy. Was. He's in the Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. He's in the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. He's, he's in the National Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. He's, he's, he's in the, the, that's Oklahoma City. He's in the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. But he's not in the Dad Hall of Fame, and he's not in the Husband Hall of Fame. He, he is in the Winning and Earning Millions of Dollars, but Wasting It Away, Died Broke Hall of Fame. My mom left him when I was four. My brother was eight. My brother left home when he was 11. I became the man of the house when I was seven. We didn't have a phone. We didn't have a car. We didn't have a TV. We didn't have anything. We didn't have church. We didn't have a Bible. We didn't have anything. I know what it's like to live from that level. So I'm not here today talking as an experienced preacher because I grew up in a church and I grew up in a Christian home because I did not. I'm here because of what God did. Amen. That's right. Amen. And when I sing that song, when I think about the Lord, yeah. Yeah. I think differently than a lot of Christians. Yeah. Amen. Because he truly raised me up. Yes, sir. He truly Praise turned God. me around. Yes, sir. He truly put my feet on solid ground. He truly filled me with the Holy Ghost me up forever Amen. so he said Hollywood is going to use the supernatural to draw people that wasn't all that surprising but it was new even movies like Star Wars or all these movies today that you see you know, you look back at the original Star Wars today, and you see how cheesy it looks. You can see you can see how they did things. You know, and, you know today, it looks more authentic. It looks more real. Doesn't look as fake because of technology advancements. CGI is what it's called, but it's all digital digital enhancement. But it's still very supernatural. And they've infiltrated our world with these images and with these characters to introduce not wholesome things, but evil things. They asked George Lucas, where did you get the idea for the characters at the bar seen in Star Wars and all of these other characters? He said, I had dreams. Do you think those dreams came from God? These These are creatures. These are spiritual creatures. These are demonic creatures that now some of our children and grandchildren have purchased and are now playing with the dolls and the figurines. You see how, how the enemy is infiltrated. Now, you may not think of it that way, but that's exactly what's been going on. Oh, yeah. But they use the supernatural. You know, at, at that time, we didn't have a lot of supernatural movies. We didn't have Exorcist and all that as prominent. Now, there are regular nightly shows about ghouls, walking dead. Come on. Come on on and on and on, zombies. And now these kids are buying, families are buying these entities. Why do you think that is? It's an introduction of the supernatural to children. But let me tell you something, those are not gonna be happy faces that actually appear to them. I have some friends that let me know on social media that on um, the television show, America's Got Talent, there was a demonic manifestation by one of the people and everybody applauded. They thought it was great. I don't watch that stuff, but but we've come so accustomed to it, now it's on network television. That was the first part of the equation that God told me, that Hollywood will begin to use the supernatural to reach people. The second part of that broke my heart it still breaks my heart I wept for hours over this because he said the church will begin to use Hollywood to draw people entertainment smoke, lights, mirrors music Entertaining preachers. Entertaining. No word content. Just entertainment. That's where we are still to this day. Now here's the problem with that. There's no power in that. There's no power in that. What is the enemy after? What is he what is he actually after? What is he trying to do? Let's go back. Let's go back. But you're, you're well taught, so I don't have to turn to a scripture here. We're going to turn to scripture. I have more than one message today, and I'm not even in my message yet. But what I want you to see is this Satan hasn't always been Satan, his original name was Lucifer, he was an archangel. He was the chief musician of heaven. Would it be a really surprise to us, the church, that now that he's fallen, he's evicted out of heaven, that he uses music to draw people? I mean, I, I could camp out there for a while, but yet in our churches, we talk about death and life from the power of the tongue, but yet... We have so many Christians even in our circles. I'm not talking about Baptists. Right. I'm not talking about Methodists. I'm not talking about Episcopalians. I'm not talking about Catholics. Right. I'm talking about word people. Yes. Listen to the world's music just like everybody else does. Yes. Got quiet. Is this faith Builders yes, Presbyterian? <laughs> Death and life are the power of the tongue. That's right. Why would it surprise us that Rockers die of drugs, alcohol. Why would that surprise you? Many of them die of hepatitis because they're old needle days, they're old shooting up days. They die of hepatitis. And you got other ones, you know, the, you know Rolling Stones, they, they look like they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> then you got... Well, yeah, that rock and roll, that's trash. Well, what about that country porn? Is it any surprise that country crooners die of alcoholism? That's what they sing about. That's what they talk about. Come on, rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's what they sing about. Why would it surprise us that hip hoppers and and rappers die of violence, gun violence? Because that's what they talk about. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But why why would the church go to that? Why? Because the 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 world has indoctrinated us and entered in this into our lives, into our families, into our homes. For what purpose? What is the ultimate goal? The devil got kicked out of heaven. He got evicted out of heaven. And he's trying to get back at God, which doesn't work directly. In other words, he hasn't been able to get at God. Right. Right. He doesn't have the power. He got evicted. Remember what Jesus said when the when the 70 came back to Jesus, when he sent them out to the cities, the villages, the highways, yeah. and said, Go heal the sick, cast out devils. They came back. Even the devils are subject unto us by your name. Right. Luke That's chapter right. 10. Right. That's right. And Jesus said, Really? No, he didn't no, say that. He, didn't say that. No. he said, Well, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like light lightning. Yeah. yeah. In other words, I was there. You know, a lot of, we've got to get this out of our mentality, especially our American mentality, that Jesus just showed up to earth on December 25th in a manger in Bethlehem. No, Jesus has always been. He has always been, and he was there that moment, time, I don't know if it's day or night. Uh, He was there. There there is no uh, night in heaven, so evidently it was day, that time frame when the devil rose up against godly authority, and he wanted to be elevated, and God said, "Uh uh-uh, Junior. And he got evicted. And Jesus said to those disciples, those 70, there's not just 12. Jesus said to those disciples, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Lightning. Have you actually seen lightning? You have to see it in slow motion. I was coming in from Dallas last night and there was this huge thermal. It had to be 40,000 feet. And even during the it was dusk and even, it was not even night yet, you could see the lightning. You could see the light in that thermal. It was massive. I'm glad it wasn't headed toward me. Because underneath that was some problems. Can anybody tell me how fast light is? 186,000 miles per second. What what happens after lightning? Well, thunder. thunder, thank you. Maybe that's what happened to the dinosaurs. I'm, I'm playing. I'm kidding. But that would have been a loud clap of light uh, thunder, wouldn't it? Yeah. So Jesus was saying to those disciples, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And then what did he say? He said I've given to you power over all the power of the enemy, it says in King James. But if you look it up in the Greek, you see, I've given, I've given unto you authority, exousia. I've given unto you authority over all the dunamis, all of the ability of the devil. In other words, authority is greater than ability. Law enforcement doesn't have the, have the ability to stop traffic. They have the authority to stop traffic. Authority is always greater than ability. Come on somebody. But what is the world what does the world elevate? Ability, talents, yeah. skills. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Tragically, the modern church elevates ability okay. and knows nothing about authority. You ought to thank God that you attend a church and you're submitted to a man and woman of God that are teaching you about authority. Because church, it's all about authority. I'm going to just abbreviate it right there. It's all about authority. The enemy is after, somebody said word earlier, but what is that? Authority. Authority. He's about authority. Why? Because he got, the authority of heaven kicked him out. So everything you see going on is ultimately, I didn't mean to, to get into this, but I can't help it. Everything that you see going on in the planet Earth today is about authority. Authority. Satan could not defeat God's direct authority. So what is he doing? He's attacking God's delegated authority right. Come on. Right. now think about that he could not deal with God directly <laughs> I mean the, the devil is an idiot but he's not completely stupid right. yeah. he's not going to go against God again like that <laughs> he knows God's going to go against him he knows that's coming right. he can read too you know the devil knows the Bible better than most Christians do. Most Christians misinterpret, misquote the Bible all the time, and and the devil, the devil, meant he he's the father of lies. The very first thing he did in the garden was lie. He lied to Eve. He was there when God talked to Adam about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eve was not there. She wasn't created yet. But when he found Eve alone, then he reiterated parts of what God said, but not all of what God said. How did he lie? He said, you shall not surely die after you eat the tree, eat the fruit thereof. You will not die. That's a lie. She died. Think about that now. But Adam... Did not God gave him authority in Genesis chapter one? I'm giving you dominion over the garden. I'm giving you authority to dress it, keep it, subdue so it. Come on, yeah. I'm giving you power, authority over all the garden. Right. Just don't touch what's mine. Right. But everything else, I'm giving you authority. I mean, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't just one chapter between That's right. the elevation of Adam and Eve to the destruction of Adam and Eve. Think about that. That's chapter 3. Now, you're well taught here, and I, I know I can reiterate some of these things without us turning there for the sake of time, but it's all about authority. Amen. It's still all about authority. Yeah. So the enemy is after the godly authority in the earth. Yeah. So how does he do it? Where, where does he come? The enemy, is. remember, he's not a creator. He's a perverter. The, the devil's never created anything. Do you know that he's not creating more demons? demons are not multiplying. He's not a creator. He's a perverter. He's a counterfeiter. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. So what does he do? He attacks, he assaults, he intimidates the powers that God created, the authorities that God created. There are three Primary entities of godly authority in the earth. God could not just speak authority into existence like he did the mountains and the planets and, and the solar systems and the oceans. He could not just decree authority. He had to create vehicles by which his godly authority functions, operates, and travels. Amen. Number one is the home. The home. Now I'm gonna write this up here, but you, you and I, I hope you write this down. But it's so simple, you don't even have to write this down. And you guys on that side, I don't know how well you can see this, but I'm going to try to help you as much as I can. And you that are at the back, if you can't see this, it's because you're sitting in the cheaper seats. There's some more expensive seats up here. So God created the home. The Bible says one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. You know that the home is not twice as strong spiritually. The home is 10 times more powerful than an individual. That's why Satan is trying to destroy and circumvent godly authority in the earth by attacking the home. But here's the problem. You can't redefine what you did not create. The devil did not create marriage. But he's trying to redefine it, isn't he? The Bible clearly says it's between a man and a woman. A male and a female, not a male and a female. The Bible is very clear about that. Again, we could go, in, we could go into Genesis chapter 1, you see it plainly. The book of beginnings tells us right up front. And that's exactly the first thing. The book of beginnings, the very first thing that the enemy tried to circumvent godly authority. He came against the home. He came against the marriage. He, he, he didn't come to Adam and Eve when they were together. He came to Eve when she was by herself. He still does that. He still talks to, to the husband alone, the wife alone. Come on. And now we've got this mentality in the earth, in our, even in our nation, That was founded with families. Our nation was not founded by a bunch of jocks. (laughs) Our nation wasn't founded by a bunch of just pioneers. Our nation was settled. Yeah, there were uh, uh, expeditions by men from other countries that came here. But they brought their families. And they came. Do you know the history of Arkansas? Do, Do you know the history of Kansas and Texas and where I live? Oklahoma. Families came. Come on. Not a bunch of guys. Not a bunch of girls. Families. The devil is against families. The devil is against marriage. And he's trying to redefine what a marriage is because he knows that a marriage is powerful. So he's coming against godly marriage. He's trying to redefine what the home is. Well, you didn't create it. So sit down, shut up, and take notes. You don't get to redefine it. You didn't create it. You don't get to redefine what a man is or what a woman is you don't get to make up 52 genders because you didn't make one of them Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on, brother. who are, who anybody here work in the medical community at all nurse or whatever you know what any nurses here you're a nurse you're a nurse but you, you, any, any physicians here? Need some more physicians coming here. That's right. Amen. Help you build the building. Amen. But, you know, when you go into ER or you, you fill out uh, some type of paperwork, is there any paperwork involved in the medical oh community? <laughs> Name, address, phone number, date of birth. Family, history, medical history. But right at the top, there's a box for an M and a box for an F. There's not a line that says what you identify as. Why? Because in the medical community, there are protocols based upon a male body and a female body. There's no protocols for any 52 genders. See how foolish this is? Because the male body is different than the female body. The female bodies, the body parts are different. Yeah, they're similar, but they're different. They're completely different. Can you see how the enemy is now infiltrated? And, and, and you know, now they tell us that an 18-year-old shouldn't be able to buy a rifle, but a 5-year-old a, a can decide his gender? Come on! Well, what's this got to do with the word? We're under attack. We're under assault. We got a fight going on. We didn't pick the fight, but we're going to finish it. Yes, we are. That's right. And see if we're if we're not really, really, really wise as the church, we let the enemy come in here and circumvent godly authority. Through the education of our children. Not just in the school system. But that's 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 really strong. But through entertainment, through media, through relationships. Or do what my parents said, oh you know, their kids, they don't understand spiritual things. So what have what have parents done? Over the years, they've outsourced their spiritual responsibility and accountability to somebody else. And there's no mandate for you to outsource. It it doesn't say world, Hollywood, school systems, Uh -uh. train up a child in the way they should go. No, that's for the family. That's for the home. That's for the husband. That's for the father. Come on. The fathers have outsourced their spiritual accountability and responsibility for parenting their children to the wife. The wife has outsourced it to the daycare. The daycare has outsourced it to the world and the, and the and the curriculum creators. Come on somebody, am I helping anybody yet? So we have to understand that's why this kind of church is so vital in the last days. Because the enemy is trying to circumvent godly authority in the earth. And he doesn't, he can't just come in there and take right. us out anytime he wants. Amen. Because he has no authority. Amen. That's right. If the devil had authority, we would have never been able to hear the gospel before we went to hell. That's right. and I, I've even had preachers argue with me, the little devil has all kinds of authority. What verse is that? That's right. You know what it says in Matthew 28? You know what Jesus said? All power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. I promise you that Jesus did not celebrate and that, that, that gift from heaven and give away party favors to the devil. Here, here's some of your authority. Here, you can have some cake too. devil has no authority he has ability that's why it says there in luke about the 70 disciples all authority all authority i give unto you authority i give unto you power i give unto you authority over all the ability of the devil that nothing shall by any means hurt you nothing shall by any means hurt you and see the reason why the church is 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 beat up and sickly and broke and, and 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 just just like the world, divorced and all. And I'm not beating anybody up. Don't misunderstand me. I came from a divorce. I married a divorcee. I, I, I get it. But somebody got to rise up and stop the stupidity in, the, in our families. Come on. May as well be you. Turn to your neighbor. And say, "May as well be you." May as well be you. Amen. Somebody's got somebody's to give no place to the devil. Right. Amen. Somebody's got to take their authority and kick his honey out the door. Not the front door, the back door. He doesn't come in the front door. We have to understand who we are. So he comes against the home. Then he comes against the, the second entity where we learn of authority, and that's the church. So the enemy's trying to redefine the home, redefine what a church is. There's this big movement for house churches, etc. today, and I'm not, I'm not against all house churches. I, I'm, against, I'm against staying in house churches. You can start a church in a house, but you shouldn't finish a church in a house, and here's why: because the word church means assembling, mm-hmm. yeah. assembly, that we're supposed to gather together. Well, you're going to run out of house for it really fast yeah. if you're doing it the right way. Amen. So I'm not against church, churches starting in houses. I'm, I'm against them staying in houses. And, and, and you know, now we got all this church at Starbucks, church at the theater, church, you know, church at the movies, church at this. But i tell you what, you've got to be really hard up for teaching if you have to have an At the Movies series. Yeah. It's real popular today. Yeah. Wow. It's real popular. I'm not making this up. Right. It happens all the time. It's happening right now in churches all over America right this very morning. They're showing movie clips to get ideas what to talk about. I, I don't know about you, but Hollywood, Hollywood got nothing on this right here. There's even some steamy stuff in here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go there today. So, here's the third entity, and that's government. God ordained government by which his Authority should operate. Now God didn't want government. God wanted to govern man, not man govern man. How's that been working man governing man? Well he only blessed two out of the three. It's easy to see which one's not blessed. Yeah. Government's a mess. Now you're here in a state capital. State capitals are weird. There's a lot of fleshly, flaky, funky people in the state capitals. Why is that? Have you ever been to our nation's capital? Have you ever been to D.C., District of Columbia? It's really weird. Why? Because the enemy comes to those seats of government of each nation and each, each state. The enemy comes to those seats of government to do what? To circumvent godly authority. And that's why state capitals are weird. Austin is weird. Is. weird. Yeah. They even have, have bumper stickers keep Austin weird. Right. Yeah. Well, that doesn't take, that's not hard. Austin's weird, weird. to the 10th degree. Yeah. Really? Weird people. You land in Austin and, and you go, this is not Texas. There's no way this is Texas. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. I found out I was in California four weekends in a row in May. I flew home a couple of times, but I've been all over California quite a bit for years. I was in California five times during 2020 during COVID. It just depends on where you go as far as, you know, where their wacky governor, is, you know, is going to be followed. Because those, the, I, I learned very quickly that a county um, sheriff is the number one law enforcement officer in the, in the whole county. And California has massive counties, so there's a lot of conservative counties and conservative sheriffs. They said we're not we're going to not follow this chaos by this governor. This governor is demon possessed, and so you you see you see this happening around the nation. But I was I was reading the newspaper, um, not online, actual paper, newsprint, old fashioned. They're hard to find anymore. But it said, there's so many people leaving California, especially San Francisco. The number one places San Franciscans are moving is San Diego. There's there's a good reason for that. San Diego's more conservative, weather's better, housing is a, a bit cheaper, not a lot. California's so expensive. The number two place is Austin. I said, no! No! Austin doesn't need more weird people! Now, don't misunderstand me. I love Californians, and I, I I enjoy preaching in California. Just Sunday before last, I was in San Diego, so I, I enjoy that, and 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 I love. I have a lot of friends there, and a lot of pastor friends, and they're doing a great work. And and there's a lot of on fire churches in California, mm-hmm. and there need to be. yeah, oh yeah, because it's crazy. But what I want you to see is is the enemy is attacking these places he comes to these seats of government for what reason not just for more more social handouts but he's coming after the authority that god has established there in that city and that's what's taking place that's why the devil comes after pastors yeah. Come on. pastors families yes he does hmm that's why the devil comes after dads. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, I want to show you something. Now, keep, keep those things in mind. I want to show you something. I didn't know I was going to do this till, till late last night, and I had a really late last night. I want, I want to give you some figures here. I want to give you some figures. 3.5%. 17.5% and 93%. Now you can remember these, but this is worth writing down. And by the way, you're so well taught here, but you're not going to remember everything your pastor says, so you ought to take notes every service. No extra charge for that. Pastor didn't tell me to say that. But you're you're just not going to remember it all. These numbers represent What I'm talking about. 3.5% reflects the percentage of family members that are saved after a child gets saved first. So only 3.5% of the rest of the family gets born again when a child is born again. First in the family. Wow. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So the first person born again in the family, when it's a child, is only 3.5% of the rest of the family will get born again. 175 represents the rest of the family that gets saved when the mom, the wife, gets saved first. So only 17.5% of the rest of the family gets saved when the wife gets saved first. Well, you know where the 93 is going. 93% of the rest of the family gets saved when the husband, the father gets saved first. Do you understand why God established the home to be the man as the head of the home because the man controls the spiritual atmosphere of the home. That's right. That's right. That's a good word. Praise God. But husbands have outsourced their spiritual responsibility most of the time to the wife, and if not to the wife, to somebody else. To Aunt Judy. Oh my. Yeah. Or uncle whoever. It's true. Come on. Yeah. Now these these are horrible statistics. But I'm going to flip that around. I'm going to flip that around. My Bible says that in the last days, God's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Let's flip this around. And men, let's become the 93% and above. Let's be the spiritual heads of our home. That, that's a Father's Day. That's why it's so important to be a godly father, not just fathering a child, but let's be a man of God and a man of honor at the same time. Come on, somebody. Now, let me, give you, let me give you another one right here. Only 43% of all children in America, every culture, every race, only 43% of homes, let me say it this way, Homes are 43% single parent. 43% of our homes, every culture, every race, are single parent homes. Do you know that 79% of all teachers in public schools are women? Yet, Hollywood. In Washington, they talk about, they talk about. My phone is ringing and I have my ringer off. But it looks like they're calling me about my luggage that's lost. After three days, they better be calling me. Now, what I want you to see is this. Hollywood government, they talk about toxic masculinity. Mm. That men are the problem. Well, wait a minute. Only 43% of households have the man in the household. 78% of teachers are women. I think it's reverse toxic masculinity. I think we don't have men taking the rightful place as the problem. And I'm not saying we need to be have male teachers all the time, but I, we ought to have more male teachers. However, all of us should have what God ordained the home and the family to be, a man and a woman together. Now, I'm not beating anybody up. I grew up in a single-parent home. But I also know the perils of that. I also know the destruction of that. I also know the pain of that, the suffering of that, the poverty of that. Because that was back in the days when uh, there were no child support laws. I had a deadbeat dad. My dad is in cowboy movies with Audie Murphy and and Ben Johnson and John Wayne, but wouldn't send money home because he gambled it away. He was a rodeo champion, and he won all kinds of money. But he would go and gamble it away. He wouldn't have any money to send home. That's why my mom left him. She had to go get a job. And she worked hard. She worked, she worked for some great companies and had high positions of secretarial skills and those kinds of things. But in the 50s and 60s, I don't care what you did as a woman. You just didn't make much money. So she had to ride the bus to work. We had to ride the bus to go to the laundromat. We had to ride the bus to go to the grocery store. All that was in the same thing, and we wouldn't have to ride the bus back because we used the grocery store cart to push our laundry home and our groceries home. Right. It's really embarrassing, you know. My brother, he was too cool for school back then because he's four years older. He wouldn't go to the laundromat with us. But you're taking the laundromat, and then the bus, you know, hits the curb on the way over, and all your dirty laundry spills out in the middle of the bus floor. That's kind of embarrassing, because it's kind of intimidating. Poverty is intimidating to a yes, child. It is. Yeah. Yes, it is. That's, that's one of the reasons the devil uses poverty against families. Yeah. Come on, somebody, Amen. to intimidate those children and to embarrass them. Yeah. Yeah. But we have a problem here. Yeah. We have a problem. But there's a solution. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn over to Psalms 112. Is this helping anybody yet? Yes, mm-hmm. I know this is not a Bible study, but but I've already shared yeah. some stuff. But look at John 12. And, and here's what's here for us men. And it says, praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man. Say, blessed is the man. Is the man. That fears the Lord. Whoa, what, what, what? Fears the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Not afraid of, but reverences. Yeah. Honors. It also means reflect the Lord. Amen. If you really fear the Lord, you're going to reflect Him. In other words, he's, 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 going to, he's going to permeate your life, and you're going to reflect Him. In other words, you're going to look like Him. I checked in the hotel here locally at 2 a.m. this morning. I was supposed to fly here. My flights got canceled. I ended up just in Dallas had to rent a car and come, and my bags didn't make it. So I had to drive, and and because my bags didn't make it, I have a garment bag that carry my my suits and my shirt and stuff, but my luggage had my shoes, my belt, uh, and all of my toiletries, so I had to go buy all that. Oh, the glamour of air travel. But my point is, I'm not telling you that to feel sorry for me. Please don't. But... When you reflect the Lord, it's not secret. People know it. And the night auditor at the hotel, after I checked in, now I haven't shaved in two days because my razor and stuff is in my toiletry bag and my luggage. And I don't use those razors at the hotels because, you know, I like my face too much. It's going to pull it out. It's not going to cut it off, and and, and you know they they don't have any cream or anything, so they, use, they just had to use soap. That just doesn't work. Doesn't work at all. So, but I check in at two a.m. and I, I load. I've got my carry-on uh, rollerboard bag with my computer, and my Bible and, and notebook and stuff in it, and, and then I've got all these bags from Walmart, Walgreens where I had to go shopping cuz all of my toiletries are in a Walmart bag. That's not good. Cuz toiletry has stuff has sharp objects and pretty soon you're going to have holes in the Walmart bag. So so I'm carrying in all this stuff at the shopping bags cuz I had to go shopping. Cuz my other stuff is underwear stuff is it's in the luggage too. So here I am. I'm rolling in this cart, and he, in the night auditor, he's looking at my cart like, and he said, where's your luggage? (laughs) And I said, right here. He said, no way. I said, yeah, the airline, they haven't found it yet either. So I don't know where it is, but God knows where it is. Anyway, so he's real friendly to me. I'm friendly to him. You know, a lot of people... This stuff happens to them and they, they lose their joy in a heartbeat. They go up in there and yell and scream at the agents at the counters. Well, that doesn't do any good. They don't set the policies, they're not the ones who lost your luggage. Come on. Yeah, right. But yet, we, we come to church well, Yeah, I claim some of that favor. Woo! You're not going to have favor when you're ugly, when you're mean. You're not going to have favor. Those things don't work. It's like the person who, who, you know, they're speeding really fast, and they see those lights come on, they hear that siren, and they're claiming favor as they're pulling over. No, you need mercy. You don't need favor. You need mercy. Don't be claiming favor. So so I got my, my key card, and still right here, thankfully. Nobody lost that. I loaded in, put my stuff in my room, came back out. I pushed the car, cart back into the lobby area, and I'm walking out to my car up front to go park. And that night auditor comes out there, and he says, Sir, excuse me. I said, Yes, sir, can I help you? And he said, I just have to say that you have the presence of God. I said, Well, thank you. Appreciate that. My point is if you fear the Lord, you reflect That's Him. Right. That's right. That's good. You reflect Him. Amen. We need to fear the Lord. Amen. These are promises in the Word. He said, If we would fear the Lord and delight greatly in His commandments, that means we love the Word. I fear him, I revere him, I honor him, I reflect him, I bless him. Come on, somebody. And I delight greatly in his word. Look at verse 2. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. There's your first promise. My children will be mighty. My children's children will be mighty. And then it says the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Not punks not thugs I grew up in the hood I grew up in three different projects that no longer exist they torn down they weren't, in, they weren't habitable when I was there so I grew up with all the races and all the places Dallas, Fort Worth East, East Dallas no more gringos in East Dallas So I know what it's like. I know what it feels like. I know I, I, I had when I was seven, my brother left home. I had to be the man of the house. Yeah. Meaning I had to protect, protect my drunk and drug addicted mom. She's the homecoming queen. She's the head of cheerleader. She's the salutatory in every class, second smartest in the class of a thousand. She's not some dweeb. Yeah. She's just beautiful lady. My dad and mom were married in 1949 at Times Square Chapel in New York City while my dad was rodeoing at Madison Square Garden. She still has the check stubs. He was winning up to $1,900 a day in 1949. That would be worth $19,000 today. And they complained about, just like all, all pro athletes, whoever wins the big contract, who, whoever wins the golf tournament today, the U.S. Open, who, whoever wins whoever wins the NASCAR race, whoever, whoever wins other races. Right. I don't know how people watch that. I get dizzy just doing that right there. And there's actually a NASCAR channel on Sirius XM radio People are so addicted to entertainment. Mm. But these winners, these champions, what do they do? They take all their friends, all their staff, all their family out for drinks and dinner after they win the contract, after they win the tournament. Mm. That's what happens when they have a hole-in-one in golf. The, whoever hits the hole, knocks in the hole-in-one buys drinks for the rest of the foursome. Yeah. Drink, buys dinner for the rest of the foursome. Yeah. So my dad and mom... My dad's winning this day money every day with these, these notable Hall of Fame cowboys, and he's winning. And so he's, they complained about having to buy drinks and dinner for 10, 15 people, and it costs $100. Not each. Today it would be each. But $100 for drinks and dinner for 15 people back then? And he's making $1,900 a day at least? See, back then, you didn't have sponsors. If you didn't write eight seconds, you didn't get a check. You had to pay your own room, your own food, your own travel, everything. The first week my parents were married, they were invited on a television show called Who Do You Trust? I was about to say, don't lift your hand if you watch that show. But there was a host named Jack Parr, but he moved on to a different show. And now this young whippersnapper from Lincoln, Nebraska, named Johnny Carson is the new host. My parents were on the original Tonight Show the first week they were married. My mom still has the scripts and this pastel green paper. is six pages front and back. All the questions are going to be asked and the answers they have to answer based on the interviews that they had. You mean it was scripted? See, if you really believe in reality TV, you, you probably also believe pro wrestling is real. Yeah. I played college football with a guy named Ted DiBiase, who became the Million Dollar Man in pro wrestling, and and I know I know all the whole how the wrestling scene works. He's he's shown me all the stuff because uh, our whole team had a bunch of wrestlers, but I, I deviate. My, my point in saying it, is this. My children aren't blessed because my dad's a rodeo champion and my mom was the homecoming queen. No. My children aren't blessed because my dad made millions of dollars. No. We never saw any of it. My children are blessed because I fear the Lord. My children are blessed because I delight greatly in His commandments. Not because I'm a preacher, but because as a man, I read this and I saw the validity of this, that I can have these promises. I don't have to come from the, from the right side of the tracks to have this. I came from the wrong side of the tracks, and I haven't lived on the wrong side of the tracks since. Come on, somebody. I haven't had to drive the jalopy since. I haven't had to to, to spend the night on the police bench right. since my mom would drive off uh, or would have to sleep off a drunk yeah. because she got pulled over for DUIs umpteen times and I'd have to sleep on the, on the bench in my peewee football uniform and not make it to the practice or the game on Saturday morning right. because my mom is in the drunk tank. My kids have never had to taste any of that. My kids have never had to taste poverty. My kids have never wondered where mom and dad are. My kids have never doubted for a moment God's blessing. Why? Because the word gives us promises. It's not because I'm special. It's not because I came from a godly home. It's because I chose the word of God and I put my foot down on the devil's head where it belongs. I don't understand many Christians, they put him back up here and have a dialogue with the devil. No! He's under your feet. You have authority over him. You put him in his place, and you don't have to be nice about it. These are our promises belong to the church it's time that the church started walking in the promises in the bible instead of just hearing about her or reading about her we need to walk in them that's why these songs that pastor led are so vital because they're word songs that's who we are His seed shall be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Hallelujah! You ought to circle that. You ought to outline the whole area, and you ought to write me real big at the top, and put an arrow to it. that's me. That's me. That's what I have right there. That's me. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter how, what bad deck of cards you got dealt. Doesn't matter. I, I, I'm tired of all this. the so many of the church. Well, you just don't understand. Life is not fair. Oh, what verse God. is that? What, what what verse does say life is fair? Come right. on. No, the days are evil. That's right. We live in we live in the gross darkness. But we are the light of God, and we have the authority of Jesus Christ. And when we are under his authority, we delight greatly in his commandments. And we're doers of the word, not just hearers, not just quoters. I know a lot of people quote the word better than me, but they're not doers. I'd rather know less and do it than know everything and not do it. We've got to be doers. In the last days, why? Because what does it say in James one twenty two? He said, "Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only." And then it doesn't stop there. It says, "Deceiving your own selves." That means the devil doesn't need to deceive you when you're not a doer. You're self-deceived. When I re- when I read that, I saw a lot of faces. I saw a lot of family members in there. Wow. Am I helping anybody yet? Psalm 127 says this, except the Lord build the house. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house. And I got news for you. It's good news. That word build in Hebrew doesn't mean just construct, establish, build. It also means rebuild. So maybe you, you didn't invite God in on your building. I've got a lot of construction background. I built the buildings of our ministry back in 1978 that we, we now operate out of. Um, I've helped build a lot of churches. I've built hundreds of houses, commercial buildings, and shopping centers, all kinds of stuff. My, my two children are in construction now, and And my daughter builds homes and she's a designer at first and then she started building. And, and, you know, when you you build a facility, you build a structure. The most important part of the structure is not what you see. Mm -hmm. It's what's covered up. It's the foundation. It's under the ground. But you know what? After you build it, you can't go back and fix it. These foundation repair uh, companies, that's just putting a Band-Aid on, on, that, on that facility. Because especially here in Arkansas, the ground moves a lot because there's so many rocks. You wouldn't think, you know, same thing in Missouri, or if you're from Missouri, in par- certain parts you say Missouri. <laughs> My mom's from Missouri. Missouri. So, there's so many rocks and and there's so much clay. In in some parts, the ground moves a lot, and so you you have to dig. I've I ai have a friend here in, in the metro area that has built hundreds of homes as well, and and I've been out to the job sites with him o- over the years, and and you you have to dig, and you you have to secure you have to go down to bedrock you, you can't go to that loose rock that's up in the soil you have to go down deep and you have to dig your pier holes down why because it's going to move if you're going to if you're going to build a proper home and there's so many hills here you better build a proper home you better build a proper foundation or your your, your pad's going to slide And that's disastrous. And it doesn't matter what all is in that house or what it looks like. If it's moving, it's over. It's kind of like those homes on the Yellowstone River this last week. You know, why people build right on a river is amazing to me. And this one house, it was huge. It was huge. Several thousand square feet. And it, it went down that river for five miles, they said. It, it had a lot of foam in it, evidently. I'm kidding. But anyway, I mean, I, I hate that for that family. But don't, don't build something. Don't build something on the river. Now, I know here on, on, on the Arkansas, there's in the hills just not far from here, right down the hill. You know, there's some homes up in the hills. Well, that's different than building right down on the water. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, the, the water's not going to rise that high. But some of these, they build it right on a riverbank. Colorado and all all over the mountain states, they build it right on the riverbank, not understanding that there can be a flood and fill up. That creek's not there because it just started right there. (laughs) This whole thing, this whole canyon was cut by that creek. So maybe you don't need to build right on the creek. But, But it's so soothing at night. It's not if you're riding down it. In your Sealy in your mattress, you're posturpedic. So, Pastor, know what I'm talking about. Uh, around Kansas City, you know, th- th- there's a lot of that rock outcroppings there uh, on, the, on the eastern side of uh, Kansas as well, and you have to stabilize that ground. But what's different about him saying rebuild? Rebuild. Because God is God, He allows us to go back into our lives, even after our life has been built, and rebuild it, reestablish it with the Word. So never, ever buy into the lie that you're done and you can never change. Never buy into the lie that you're just SOS, stuck on stupid. He'll help you get off a of high center real fast. Amen. Now, I, all of us have been SOS at one time or another. I was there for many years. But God helps you get off of that and get out of that mentality. See, I came, I, I lived in the hood, and a lot of people, they move out of the hood physically, but they didn't move out of the hood mentally. They still got the hood. They still got the. They still got the Bible calls them the iniquities of of your fathers. What, What does that mean? It's not. It's not handed down sins. It's not generational curses and generational sins. It's inherited character traits, and you continue to follow the bad character traits that your family taught you, and you'll turn out just like your family. I still got family in that. My brother and I, we broke off of that. Why? Because of the word. Not beca- they, they went to the same places we went. They heard the same word we heard. But their children and their grandchildren, oh, it's painful. Now, I don't know your story. So I'm not picking on you. I know my story well. And I got cousins that their kids are a big mess, prison, incest divorce. I got one aunt been married nine times. She's trying to keep up with Liz Taylor. She found three husbands at the same bar. Now, now listen to this. Excuse me a second. What self-respecting Texas man is going to go into a bar called the Pink Poodle? It has a pink building Pink parking lot, pink sign with a poodle up there, pink neon flashing, buzzing, with a pink bar. How do I know all about it? Because before I was saved, my family would take me in there. What self-respecting Texas man is going to find, and then you're going to find three husbands in that same bar? No wonder the wheels fell off your life. Now, thank God she's saved now and delivered and married to one man for 30-something years. But my goodness. She grew up in a Pentecostal home, tongue-talking home, spirit-filled home. It ought not work like that. Come on. God didn't design it that way. You can't find that verse in there. Well. You have to go out and sow some wild oats for a number of years. Be completely stupid, and then you'll come back to the Lord. What? What? What is that, Hezekiah chapter 47? That's right. Now, let me close with this. I, I want to show you this, Pastor, because uh, uh, with the announcements, this is a uh, This is the the latest message that the Lord has had me share uh, most recently, and it's in here somewhere. But, so here's the title, and it's very much similar to what the announcements are, and that is words from your world. That's taken from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. And we're not going to turn there, but you know what it says. By faith, the worlds were framed by the word of God. It's not talking about the context of it. It's not talking about planetary systems and solar systems. The context of it is talking about, you look it up in the Amplified of the Greek, your time frames, your dispensations, your successive ages. In other words, your world, my world is transformed, changed. By the Word of God, yes, sir. Yes, sir. when we apply it and we appropriate it and we become doers of it, there's nothing in your life that can't change. Amen. I said, there's nothing in your life that can't change. Amen. Last year, I started developing this growth on my head, right up here. Every time I went to get a haircut, you know how they either brush your hair, they usually they comb it, they wet it down, and then they comb it back, and And the hairdresser would the comb would get stuck on that growth. And it was painful. But she would go, oh. And then she would look at it. And then she'd go, Oh. Well, that's never good. And I couldn't see it, obviously. It's right here. You can try to take a picture of it with your phone up there, but you're never gonna get it quite right. You know, and then you had to zoom in, then you had to spread your hair out, and then but it was sticking above my hair. Well, that's gnarly. So I had my wife spread my hair and pin it back, and she took a picture of it so I could see it, and I went, oh, just like the hairdresser did. So I just laid hands on because I wanted to see what it was. I laid hands on the thing every day, every time I uh, showered, every time I wet my hair, every time I, you know... Uh, Brushed my hair. Every time I washed my hair, I laid hands on it and I said, I curse you in Jesus' name. You dry up from your roots. You be passed off this body. You're, you're trespassing against my body in Jesus' name. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You have no right. You have no authority to be in or on my body whatsoever in Jesus' name. There's nothing you can't change in your life. Hallelujah. I don't even know when it fell off. It was there for months. I know that. Not Not all year, but it was there for months. I don't even know when it fell off. Hopefully it, it wasn't at dinner somewhere or <laughs> while I was fixing breakfast for my wife. I hope it wasn't then. And I, I'm not even sure it fell off. It may have just dissolved. It just disappeared. Now, you can't change your whole anatomy because there's something called genetic determinisms. Basically, a genetic determinism means if, if, if mama ugly and daddy ugly, and then you need prayer. But anyway. Or cosmetic surgery. But all, <laughs> a creative miracle. <laughs> this is like my profile with my, my neck. Thanks a lot, dad. Thanks a lot, dad. My dad has the same thing. So, it, it, and, and big head. I, I have a seven and five-eighths head. I, I'm a part of the Fathead Association. But all my family got a big head. So when we do TV, Pastor, they had to put so much makeup on us because, you know, that light reflection. I have big lips, too. My wife says, man, you got big lips. You need to really put something on those lips for that TV. Whatever. You know, I said, well, you never complain about my lips, you know, at certain times, you know. So, so you better watch yourself. Because I can restrict my lips. But my, my, my point is, all the other determinisms, social determinisms, attitude determinisms, lifestyle determinisms, those are subject to change. Financial determinism, those are all subject to change. There's nothing you can't change in your life. You speak to those things. You speak the word of God, but you have to be submitted. So turn over to Romans, and I'm I'm winding this down. Didn't get anywhere where I wanted to go, but I believe the Lord wanted, wanted us to go to these places about authority. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is absolutely a treasure trove of great revelation. I encourage you to read the book of Romans, if not monthly, then quarterly for sure. And I don't mean just read, study, look at it carefully. Because Romans is a masterpiece by the Holy Ghost as recorded to the Apostle Paul about our redemption, about who we were and what happened to us with the love of Christ and what we have become and what we are now. Amen? Some of us got beat over the head with the Roman road by uh, denominational people, and they meant well. But, you know, for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God, none is righteous, no, not one, and, you know, you know, blah, 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 just beat you over the head of condemnation. The problem is, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, that's Romans 3.23, that's not the end of the chapter. No. Right. Come on. None of those on the Roman road were the end of the chapter. You just need to keep reading. That's who we were before Christ. That's not who we are now. You read the book of Romans and you find very quickly, just this afternoon, if you'll just read chapter 5 and chapter 6, it will absolutely light your fire. And you won't need a nap. It'll it'll fire you up. It'll get you so fired up. It'll get you so excited. Because it talks about our redemption. It talks about who I am now. It talks about the fact that we're, you know, sin is dead to us. It no longer has any authority over my life. It no longer has any victory in my life. It's been defeated, hallelujah, by the blood of Jesus. About how we've been buried into him, into his baptism. And not talking about water baptism. Water baptism doesn't save you, doesn't deliver you. But being buried into him, we've died unto Christ. Our old man is dead. And see, that's the problem with many in the church today. They still let their dead relatives hinder their life through their thoughts and their memories and their feelings. None of you would do that, but just the people watching uh, the video or listening by recording. You read Romans 5 and 6 and you'll never call yourself a sinner ever again. Because that's not who you are now. You were a sinner. We were all sinners. But we're not sinners now. As born again believers, we're, we're children of the King. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is my older brother. Hallelujah. He, he, I, I'm seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm seated with Him. Glory to God. I'm, I'm no longer at the kiddie table. I'm no longer begging for crumbs. I'm seated right there with him Amen. at the Father's table. Amen. Hallelujah. That's who I am in Christ. See, the devil has no power and authority over you. When you know who you are, you'll never let the devil in again. You'll never entertain a thought of the devil. You'll never entertain anything of the devil. But here's, here's where we miss it. Romans 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now I've asked him to put this up in the Amplified version on the screen. The Amplified Classic. Do you guys have that? I want you to see this. It's 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 different. It's it it's shares something and communicates something that we understand. It says, for whom he did foreknow, there were... Of whom he was aware and loved before him. God was aware and loved you before you were you. Mm -hmm. Before there was even a dirt ball that goes around the sun every 365 and a quarter days a year. He knew you from the beginning. You see, again, we got this mentality that Jesus just showed up in a manger in Bethlehem on December 25th. No. No, 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 no. He's always been and he's always known us. And God is the master builder. He's the master creator. Builders don't just build something to build something. Builders build things because they know and they see ahead of time. Thank you. Builders have a purpose for everything they build. You go into Home Depot or Lowe's. And you can find all kinds of raw material. But that's not the only raw material in the earth. But you can find all kinds of tools in those stores. Power tools, hand tools, electronic tools, elbow grease tools. Every tool has a purpose. Sometimes you can look at some of these tools, what's that for? It's kind of like the... The dad video we saw, that was funny. Need a wrench, son, not pliers. What kind of wrench do I need? He He was holding up an adjustable wrench, but maybe that adjustable wrench doesn't work under the sink where he was. Maybe you need one of those angle wrenches under the sink that has a light on it. You can buy one of those now. The old days you had to try to hold a flashlight in your mouth and be a real skinny guy, not thick fingers and so. And two people can't fit under the sink to hold the flashlight and do, do the work, especially a guy with our shoulders, you know, we can't get under there. But now they make tools for this. I'll tell you what, as a builder and and, and to, to remodel things, when they developed this camera. That has this snake, this 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 flex snake that you can drill a hole in the wall, get in, but over, over the top of the ceiling tile, and you can go right up in the corner, and it has a light on the end of it, and you can shine it up in the ceiling, and you can look on this screen and see what's up there. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. That was a sweat saver. That was, that was a, 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 a mouse reducer where you don't have to get up where the mouse and the bugs and the millers and whatever else is up there, the, you know, the, the cooties. But my point is, every one of these builders has a design. And God is the best master builder and creator in the, in the history of the universe. God did not make you a copy God made you an original. Think about this. Of all the billions of people that have ever lived or living now that will ever live, nobody has the same fingerprint. Nobody has the same footprint. We didn't come out of a... Single-celled amoeba in the ocean and became a fish and a polywog and a frog and then got amphibious and jumped up on the land and then started climbing trees and growing hair. God had a purpose for you, a design for you. He predestined you. People get into all kinds of weeds about that, but bottom, bottom line means he had a purpose in building you and making you. And what is it? Look, let's look on the screen again. And he loved us, and he destined from the beginning, next screen, for ordaining them to be molded to the image of his son. His purpose was for us to be molded into the image of Christ. Not the image of grandmama, grandpapa. Not the image, be like Mike, be like whoever. No, we're supposed to be like Christ. When people say you look just like your daddy, I'm offended. I don't take offense, but that's offensive to me. Because my dad was a philanderer, my dad was a, a, my dad died broke. Thank God I led him to the Lord, but he died broke, had to help bury him. That's sad. Where's all that money that you made? Where's all those millions that you made? We're supposed to share inwardly his likeness. We're supposed to look like him. We're supposed to reflect Him. Yeah, that's right. We're supposed to be like Him. Well, what a novel idea that Christians are supposed to be like Christ. Christ is not His last name. It's His title. It means anointed one. So the word Christian literally means little anointed ones. 76% of Americans call themselves Christians. That would mean 76% of Americans walking around are little anointed ones. I don't think the number is accurate. We're missing something. But notice this. That he might become the firstborn among many brethren. That Jesus might become the firstborn. And he was the first one born again. When God raised him up to new life. Amen? He was born again. If he wasn't born again, we couldn't be born again. So we're created in his image and after his likeness. And this is what I want to close by saying. Everything I've said today, none of which is in notes, even though I have notes here. I haven't looked at any notes. The church must get back to its original purpose, to be like him. To walk in the power, the wisdom, the authority that he walked in. Yes to love. Yes to be kind. Yes to be generous. But you're not going to have the power, the authority, the wisdom just because you're nice. Let's just be nice. That's what a lot of the... The smoke-filled churches are teaching. Let's just, just can't we get along? Let's just be nice. Let's just do nice things for the city. Let's just put some roofs on some people's houses. Let's let's, just that. And can't pray their way out of a wet paper bag. Don't have any power. Don't have any authority. Can't run the devil off. The devil is running ransacked through their family and through their kids' lives. Come on, somebody. Amen. We can have it all. We can do it all. Yes. But I will say this. I, I'm still looking for that, that missions project that Jesus put a roof on a church somewhere. <laughs> hmm. right. I've been in 32 countries. I, I'm And I'm a builder. But you know what? I'm not going and building buildings overseas. I'm building lives, because if you if you build their life, they'll build the building. And this this is this this is one of the reasons I love your pastors. They're about building lives, building faith, and that's what's going to build the buildings. I've, I've been a part of a church where we started ministering to the church property and ministering to the building and that's all we were doing and we stopped ministering to the people. We started ministering to the building and every service, every offering, everything's a push and pressure and, uh, and that church no longer exists today. 2,500 people no longer exist today. Why? Because you stop ministering to the people. You stop teaching the people. You stop reaching the people. And the people are what's going to build buildings. We've got to build ourselves up. We we've, we've got to fight the fight of faith. We must stand up. Faith is a vehicle by which we attain these all of these things. We Amen. don't just use faith to do to do what to be blessed to drive nice, wear nice, you know, live in nice. That's not all. Faith is for. Faith is for reaching people for the lost and building the kingdom of God, and reaching out with the word of God, with the spirit of God to bring people into the plan of God where they can have the authority of God. And when a church finds out who they are in Christ, they can't be stopped. There's a synergy that happens and they can't be stopped. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just thank God for the word for a moment. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you, Lord, for the truth. Thank you, Lord, for this house. Thank you, Lord, for this plan that you've ordained, that you've established here. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray over men and families today. Lord, if anybody needs their their house, their lives rebuilt, Lord, that they will see the importance, the the validity, the necessity of doing it now, not putting it off any longer. I pray for marriages. I pray for single men. I pray for single women. I pray, Lord, for all all people. I pray for every family. I pray, Lord, for every child, every teenager. Lord, that they will discover who they are in Christ. And as they do, as they become those things which you've already made them to be, I thank you, Lord, that they rise up and they are the church, the mighty moving force that you have planned for the last days in Jesus' name. I pray, pray for restoration. I pray, Lord, that there, I, I, see, I, see, I see some broken relationships. I see some broken marriages somewhere, somehow. Some people that aren't even here. Individuals, perhaps. Broken families. I see some, uh, some uh, uh, children that are wayward. I see some prodigals. If you would take a stand, and you, especially husbands, Fathers, if you would take a stand based upon what we read in Psalm 112 and you would begin to fear the Lord and reverence Him, turn off the voices of the world. Turn off the the noise of the world and tune into the voice of God. Tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you would do that and you would make that a priority, You will see restoration. And you will see your children come home. You will see your children, even grown children, you'll see them come back to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. I'm going to tell you this testimony really quick. It's from a church in Mountain Home, Arkansas, northern Arkansas. Beautiful part of your state. This is... uh, three years ago, four years ago. And I had a word for a lady, I never had it before, it's a specific lady. Her name is Alice, I won't give her last name. And I said, you have a prodigal. She said, it's my grandson, my grown grandson. And I said, this is what the Lord told me to tell you to do. If you will fast stupid for 21 days. And she looked at me. I said, what I mean by that, all of us have stupid in our lives, unnecessary things that we don't need that drain us, that pull pull things that distract us from real purpose. Come on. It takes 21 days to break a bad habit. And so you'll break that stupid off of your life in 21 days. And you'll replace it with prayer. You'll replace it with praying in the Holy Ghost. You'll replace it with reading your Bible, praise music, praising God, meditation. At the end of 21 days, you'll see that grandson turn. I left that town, went to a whole bunch of other towns. My office sent me an email that came into our office on the 22nd day. At 3 a.m. in the morning. Come on. She hadn't heard from that grandson for years. Wow. He texted her at 3 a.m. Mimi, are you awake? Hallelujah. She texted back, yes, I am. What are you doing? His name is Jack. What are you doing, Jack? He said, I can't do anything right now but pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He'd been away from God. Backslidden Pentecostal boy, spirit-filled boy, Word Church. Been away from God for years. On the 22nd day, early in the morning, God manifested And he's now right with God. His marriage is restored. His children are serving God. Folks, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me that God's still not in the restoration business. He is, but we've got to do our part. There are things we all need to lay down. Stupid for me might not be stupid for you. Stupid stupid for you might not be stupid for me. But what has God told you to stop? What has God told you to get rid of? What has God told you to realign? What has God told you to cut out? That's what you need to cut out. That's right. But don't just say no. Why? Because your yes has more authority than your no. Say yes to him. That's right. Say yes to him. Right. When you say yes to him, what is, is James 4, 7? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Say yes to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Yes to him first. You don't have any power to resist the devil if you don't say yes to him first. Because your authority comes from him, not you and your authority over the devil. It comes from him. Your authority is only as great as your submission to God's authority. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Pastor, I know you've got to finish this. But church. This is the most exciting day of the local church. This is the most exciting day in the history of the church. Let's don't miss it. Let's be that mighty moving force. Let's be that that authority that he's made us to be. Let's, let's strengthen our homes and our families and our children. Let's start today. Come on, somebody. Yeah. The, the, talking about a happy Father's Day, that'd be a happy Father's Day. Let's start today. And I don't mean going there and go home and say, woman, you're going to start doing what?" No, 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 no. You, you won't be able to see for two weeks if you do that. All right, Pastor, you better take this.